Before we get started, a word from our friends at Keeley Companies. In the words of Keeley Companies CEO, Rusty Keeley, when it comes down to it, there are two things that make Keeley Companies incredible, people and process. The strategic growth model called the Keeley Way ensures that Keeley achieves results on purpose, including five-year visions, scorecards, meaningful action plans. The Keeley Way allows Keeleyans to turn dreams into reality and drives goals to realize visions. Because of this relentless focus on people and culture, Keeley Companies has experienced explosive growth that shows no signs of slowing down. Learn more at KeeleyCompanies.com. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. Today, I have the great pleasure of introducing you to a disruptor, a builder, a thought leader, a successful entrepreneur, and most recently, an author. Our guest, Kara Golden, is the mother of four, and today we're going to talk about her upbringing. We're going to talk about how she stepped from failure to failure to failure in order to become, in quotes, in overnight success. We're going to talk about what that's meant for her as a leader, as a lady, as a mother. We're going to talk about her passion for mentoring other entrepreneurs and increasing awareness around not only the United States, but around the world on the power of healthy lifestyles. She's the recipient of some remarkable awards, including InStyle, Badass 50, Fast Company's Most Creative People in All of Business. And maybe in some regards, most remarkably, Huffington Post listed her as one of the six great disruptors in business. She was sandwiched between two other people you may have heard of, Steve Jobs on one side and a guy named Mark Zuckerberg on the other. On this program, we'll talk about balance. We'll talk about flow. We'll talk about how do you do it all? Because I think that's something all of us, all of us are struggling struggling with right now. And then we'll talk about her book that launched this week. The book is called Undaunted. So ladies, gentlemen, friends, leaders, live inspired community, buckle up for the ride, grab your journals, grab your hint drinks and get ready for an amazing ride together as I bring on my friend and now yours, her name is Kara Golden. Kara, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, in the midst of launch week, you, you've got a million things going on, but you've taken a little bit of time to spend it with John and his audience. I want to thank you for that. As you look around right now, how exciting is it to roll out your very first book? It is uh, crazy exciting, and uh, you know we're we're in mid October here, and things are uh, you know crazy as ever, right? But uh, it have been crazy as ever, but it's very very exciting. You know when you uh, sort of birth something that has been sitting with you for many years, um, you know really uh, actually physically writing for the last four years, but then ultimately it's becoming a reality. I think it's just, you know, it's just awesome. I mean, you've done it a couple of times, right? So you, you get it, but it's, uh, it's just really exciting. And then ultimately, 
I mean, frankly, it's no different than what I had seen with my company Hint. It's like when you start to get customer feedback on, you know, wow, you just really have got me thinking and, you know, and that is, uh, you know, it really is fuel. Um, and it's, it's something that you are, it makes you really happy uh, that you ultimately put it all together and got it out the door. Well, we're going to talk about what it is that you just birthed. We're going to talk about a few of the other babies that you've helped deliver and raise and grow and help prosper. But, but I'm always amazed not only by what people do in their lives and the successes that they can help impart into the community and into, into corporations, but also where you come from. I, I just think our past informs who we are and how we show up. So I'm going to back the train all the way up. You and I talked before we hit record that you and I are both from fairly large families. I'm one of six, you're one of five. Talk about growing up the youngest of five in Tempe, Arizona. Yeah, so, well, I grew up actually in Phoenix, Scottsdale. I, I did live in Tempe at some points along the way, but I really grew up uh, just... Uh, just beneath Camelback Mountain, if for those people who have been out to like, I did. yeah, and, uh, you know, dating myself a little bit, but we moved there in 1970, and I was a tiny little girl at the time, and we moved from Minneapolis, and all I remember is that my, my dad saying, you know, let's, uh, we're moving to Arizona, he didn't want to shovel snow anymore, I mean, shoveling snow, and, uh, and really you know, being the parent and a working parent of uh, five kids probably wasn't that fun in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So took us down uh, to Arizona. And I always, you know, frankly, still refer to myself as, as an original settler of, of Phoenix and Scottsdale. It was like 100,000 people um, there at the time. But, but really, um, you know, the interesting thing about having five kids was in our family was that we almost had two different families because my brother and sister, um, the, the oldest, were 15 and 16 years older than me. And so, and then my parents stopped and then they decided to start a new family and we were all, you know, within just a couple of years apart. And so, um, so I had these, you know, built-in kind of role models and I don't know if they I think they view themselves as babysitters sometimes but there's so many lessons and some of them I talk about you know in the book but I had high expectations for myself and you know partly because you know they were older than me and so they had their jobs while I was still like I didn't have a job right so I'd hear the the dinner conversations about what they liked what they didn't like and and I always wanted to be older Right. Yes. And, and be, and sort of, you know, look up to, I looked up to them to sort of do more. So, um, but I think along the way too, when you have lots of siblings, um, you know, so many learnings, but things like teamwork yeah. and, um, you know, things like, uh, you can agree to disagree, right. You can, um, you know, I, I lived in a house where sports was um, was very important, especially to my dad. And and um, you know, for him, he was he had a rule in our house where where we always had to be doing a sport. And he really didn't care what it was, but it was like we always were doing a sport. And it ended up that all of us like did different sports. So I was a gymnast, and uh, my sister was a swimmer. And you know, and it was just we were constantly like doing sports, but there was never the situation where you know we sat there and said oh i'm better than you or or you know instead it was like this realization of you know gosh we have a lot going on here 
in this house and you know we have to sort of figure out how to all work together to make it all happen you in time and we'll come here uh later on but you become a mother yourself you become an entrepreneur and then a successful executive and business owner among everything else that you have going on so talk about your mom and what she taught you about leadership whether that means inside or outside of the house yeah so i think for me my mom uh Shortly after we moved to Arizona and I was starting kindergarten, um, my mom decided she'd been an art history major and she decided that what she really wanted to do um, ultimately, she had done some roles like some su substitute teaching in art and, and uh, she actually started this very cool program um, that, that people still remember around Scottsdale that um, she decided that people really didn't understand art so like she wanted to she started a program that she went around to schools and taught them this is what a picasso is this is what a matisse is and so you know i still run into people now who say like your mom taught me you know the basics of art along the way and you know i'm t sharing the story with you because of course you don't realize it when you're a kid like that's just my crazy mom like just going into these school systems and, and teaching these programs but you know she led mm -hmm. right like she led these programs and she wasn't afraid to sort of like to like show everybody else what she was interested in mm -hmm. right and and like people would remember it because she educated people on things that they hadn't really thought about or weren't thinking about it. And, um, and, you know, shortly after she started that program, she decided that what she was really most interested in was um, fashion. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we all kind of, you know, looked at her, I, I remember thinking like, wait, fashion now? Like, I mean, you, you have great clothes. She's always like meticulously dressed, but I thought, you know, where are we going with this? And she, so she decided that she wanted to get into retail. And ultimately, you know, some of these retailers have something called personal shoppers. My mom almost became like this personal shopper and she actually lit, she worked until um, she was 80 and doing this personal shopping because she just loved it. And she taught me to, to love what you're doing. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, she ultimately, like every day she would get up and she would love what she was doing, whether that was actually teaching people about art and different, you know, artists of, of the different time periods or, um, or ultimately, you know, in fashion. I mean, she just really, really enjoyed it. And I think that, you know, that was something combined, you know, with my, my dad had started a, um, a, you know, I always view him as like an accidental, or I'm an accidental entrepreneur, having lived with somebody who wanted to be an entrepreneur, um, but had started a product inside of a very large company, initially Armor Food Company, but later uh, they were acquired by Canagra, but a brand called Healthy Choice. Mm. And so, um, so, you know, living with a father who, you know, was all about let's, you know, disrupt, let's create, let's um, make things healthier. And my mom just wanting to do new things as well. I mean, it was kind of a crazy experience, right? And again, you know, part of what I talk about in this book as well is, is really 
you know, you are uh, a product of, you know, any journey that you've been on, right? And, and I think sometimes you're even the product of, you know, your parents' journey, right? And sort of what they, you know, and sometimes you don't really appreciate where you are right now or what you're living in until many years later. And I'm a huge believer that, you know, purpose really comes from, you know, a journey that you've been gifted, right? Yes. Sometimes it's so hard and you, you know, you live in it and, you know, but I'm, it sounds like you really under, I mean, you obviously understand what, where I'm coming from on this as well. Well, it's a, it is a journey. And I think many of our younger people expect to have their purpose laid out for them at a young age. And sometimes you got to trip your way forward through life and take some bruises and learn some lessons. And then eventually you discover and unpack your purpose. So I, I, you've worked in some of the largest, most influential organizations in the world. And I, I wanted to ask you about not only how you got those roles when you did, but really what you learned specifically that eventually you'd apply in your current job from those roles. So I believe one of the first big organizations you worked with was CNN. Actually, time, even before that. Yeah. And be, even before that uh, was time. Um, so I, you know, I actually wanted to write for fortune and, uh, and, you know, I became obsessed with fortune magazine when I was taking some classes in finance, which was never my favorite, but I thought I'm going to actually take some courses in, in finance so I can actually you know, get over the sphere and, um, and become undaunted in sort of like topics, right? And, and finance for me was something that, you know, really scared me and I shied away from it. But then uh, when I was in university, I, I decided, okay, I'm really going to, you know, learn about finance and the Wall Street Journal and, and Fortune were two things that I, you know, read daily and tried to really understand. And I thought, you know, when I get out of school, I'm going to go work for Fortune. So I, I literally bought a plane ticket and went to New York. And I, you know, I'd written Marshall Loeb, the then editor um, of, of Fortune. And I said, hey, I'm really, you know, graduated from college. I'm really interested in coming to work for you. And I got this, you know, I guess it's called the Dear John letter, basically saying, hey, you know, sorry, like no experience, we're not hiring. But if you're ever in the New York area, come by. So I got that letter. And I went and, and I came out and I had some other interviews set up too, but I, uh, I went, you know, out to New York and at that time there was, you know, no security in the building and, uh, and I went up to the HR department and I said, so I have this letter from Marshall Loeb and, you know, people, I tell the story to people that, you know, I, I, I uh, went to the HR office and they said, but come on, didn't you know that you weren't really going to get to see him? And I, I was like, you know, I, I just didn't think that hard about it. I just thought, you know, I don't know, like, it might just be a really funny story. Like maybe he actually happens to be in HR or whatever. And, uh, and so I, I just, uh, I, I mean, the poor receptionist was just like, I didn't know what to do with me. And then she called the head of HR and asked her to come out and talk to me. And, uh, and I said, I have this letter from Marshall Loeb and I, you know, really like to come work for fortune. And she said, Oh, you know, he's just telling you that, you know, if you're ever in the New York area and I was like, but I'm here now. And he, uh, 
And she said, yeah, you know, he doesn't have any roles, but if you're, you know, here and you're really excited, there might be another role. And I was like, that's great. And so I ended up working in circulation, which uh, I didn't even know what circulation was when I took the job, but, uh, but I got this job in circulation, which, you know, fast forward many years later, um, our direct to consumer business is over 50% of our overall business. And so many of the lessons around consumer behaviors, um, pricing, how do you speak to the consumer, were all learned yes. in that first job. And again, when I was there, you know, I worked really hard. It was my first job. I, you know, put in the hours. I, you know, did everything that I was supposed to do. Um, but I ultimately, you know, it, it, I don't think it was even one of my favorite jobs until many years later, I thought, aha, that's why I was here. And, you know, I went, as you mentioned, I worked at CNN and, uh, and very early company back there in the early nineties, and then ended up, uh, moving out to San Francisco. And I'd been following a guy, um, and some of his writings and, and thinking, uh, named Steve Jobs. And so Steve was inside Apple at the time, and I had been reading about a CD-ROM shopping company um, or concept that he was doing inside of Apple, and they had just spun it out, uh, people who worked for him, into the CD-ROM shopping company. So again, I like thought, God, if I could just go and work for something like that, I, I love to shop. And so like, it's just interesting. It's consumer behavior. And, and ultimately that ended up leading me to, you know, really my next, you know, big company, which who knew it was going to be as big as it was, but AOL. And so I, I ran the e-commerce the e for AOL. You, know, um, John, you said big company. I would imagine some of the younger listeners right now have not heard of AOL. Mm -hmm. And yet at a season, it was one of the largest companies in the world. So uh, what were you doing for AOL? And then I'm going to be asking you the question, why'd you leave? So yeah. So, uh, yeah. so, at, you know, as I mentioned, we were our little, our little uh, shopping disc um, that had a bunch of retailers on it. Um, AOL America Online. Some people might recognize that. It was a uh, acquired they were an investor in our company and then we were acquired and uh when we were acquired uh they asked me to come and run this thing called a channel um which was a whole new concept and there was a button called shopping so my role was to go out to all these retailers like ll bean and j crew and um you know lots of great companies and actually get them to partner with us to actually bring, you know, kind of an online shopping mall. And so um, I, did, I did that for seven years. I kind of joked, you know, internally with my team, like, hey, when it's a billion dollars in revenue, I'm out of here. And then suddenly it was a billion dollars in revenue. And I thought, it, it actually, the combination of me sort of like having a goal and thinking once it's a billion dollars in revenue, I'll be out of here. But then the second thing was I lived in San Francisco. My, um, my husband was with a Silicon Valley company, another one that many people haven't heard of called Netscape. <laughs> and, um, and so <clears throat> I was on the plane all the time and I was traveling and you know, I, one day I remember the United pilot saying to me, hi, Kara, how are you? And I thought, 
that's not normal. Like right. that is like really weird that the guy like knows my name. And so that's when I decided to leave. And, and, you know, for me, that was really, you know, at a time when, when I was trying to figure out like, is this all I am? I'm a, I'm considered a tech executive, which has been great. It's been fine. But you know, what I really enjoyed doing was actually growing companies, which is, you know, a whole other topic that I often am out, you know, keynoting on, on this topic that I think that the key thing that many entrepreneurs don't realize, especially new entrepreneurs is that, you know, you really need to figure out what you love doing, right? There's different entrepreneurs who, for example, really love the growth stage, really like the development stage in the beginning. I mean, that's my favorite part, the conceptualizing, you know, the innovation side of it. There's other entrepreneurs that really like, you know, whatever, the 10 million to 50 million where you're growing it. And they're all considered, you know, important aspects of, of being an entrepreneur. But, you know, for me, it's always been about, you know, if you can actually figure out what you're really passionate about, what you're really interested in, then, you know, that's, that's kind of the keys to the kingdom. So that's when I, you know, that was this epiphany. I took a couple of years off and that's when I really, you know, sort of in, in parallel tried to figure out what, um, what I really wanted to do. And then health was such an issue for me that I really wanted to figure out. And um, yeah, so that that was sort of the beginnings of Hint. So Kara, I'm curious. I, I've been interviewing several folks lately who have made mighty strides forward, whether it's spiritually, financially, relationally, or professionally, during a season that they weren't working. It's like during the Sabbath, during the time off. And that's when they rediscovered or discovered for the first time what their purpose was, what their passion was, what their heart was, what they really were being called to do next. And you have that same story in some regards. You leave the dream job and you're at AOL, you're, you're in, in the channel, you're driving the thing forward. It's a billion dollars and growing. Then you come home, you mentioned the health challenges. Tell our, because what you went through is what the majority of our listeners, I think in many regards, in one way or another are going through right now, just they're, they're not quite right in their health. So when you said the health challenges, what were you experiencing? Yeah, so I, uh, you know, had, I have four kids now, but I had three kids at the time under the age of six. And, you know, we weren't in the midst of a pandemic, but, but you know, I felt like all I was doing was sitting at home and, and, you know, and being a mom, which was awesome. But I was also trying to figure out, like, you know, do I want to go to a tech company? And, and I thought, I don't know, like if I have one or two more gigs in me, you know, what is that what I really want to be doing every single day? And, and again, you know, having parents that, you know, really liked what they were doing and, and, you know, having passion, I thought, I don't know, like the tech is fine for me, but I think maybe I want to, I don't know, maybe I want to find something else. I never also said, I want to go start my own company, which, you know, some entrepreneurs do. That's not what I was really thinking at the time. And, and um, so I, you know, one day was, was looking at the scale. I had jumped on the scale and realized over all of these pregnancies, I had gained over 60 pounds. 
And I thought, and this is after losing the baby weight. And so I was great at gaining weight. And then I would like lose a little bit and then I gain a lot more and I lose a little bit. And I was never, I'm not a very big bone person. And I was just, again, I was an athlete growing up. I, I finally just said to myself, I know how to get back in shape. So I'm going to start running. And uh, Whole Foods had just come into our neighborhood. And I thought, I'm going to shop at Whole Foods and I'm going to start training and everything's going to be great, right? I'm going to get this fixed. And I couldn't get it fixed. And I went to a few different doctors um, who were also like saying, you know, in addition, like how long have you had this, you know, severe acne? How long, if, like there were other health issues there that I didn't really put two and two together, but they, but they were definitely there. And finally, um, you know, nobody could actually come up with a conclusion. I think a lot of people thought, okay, she's this closet eater. She's like, you know, I don't know. She's probably using something on her skin that, you know, she shouldn't be using. I, who knows what exactly is going on. And finally, um, you know, I'm shopping at Whole Foods. I'm, I'm running every day and nothing was happening. And then I decided, okay, I'm really going to pay attention to this and keep it and keep a diary if anybody's ever been through that. And finally still wasn't changing. And then one day I was looking down at my very favorite friend, um, diet Coke. And I thought, gosh, you know, there's a lot of ingredients in this thing that I don't know, you know, I, I didn't know, I never paid attention to. And well, it can't be that bad for me because it's diet. And then I thought, gosh, I don't even recognize, like I almost have to have a PhD in food science to actually figure out what's in this. Maybe I should just set that to the side for now and just start drinking water. And so I did that and two and a half weeks later, I lost 24 pounds and my acne was gone not by changing what I was eating, but by changing what I was drinking. And so then I started to ask like, why is that? And do all my research and, um, and you know, nobody, I mean, this was a little over 15 years ago, nobody really had an answer. And again, diet, that word diet to me meant health. Yeah. And so I, I remember thinking, okay, I really don't like the taste of water. I aspire to be a water drinker, but I'm not a water drinker. So I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in water. And then friends would say to me, oh, what a great idea. Like you're putting fruit in water. And I was like, you know, that that's crazy. Like everybody's like thought that I was like a genius that I put fruit in water and, you know, and I, was questioning like maybe they're not very smart like my friends that I've had around but I you know I was like laughing and having a good time and I was like oh maybe today we'll have pomegranate maybe today we'll have blackberry and I thought gosh maybe I should just take this to Whole Foods and sort of share with them you know what I've done and and so that's what I did and you know, it's a story in and of itself. I, you know, then found out I was uh, pregnant with my fourth child in the midst of like birthing this idea for a company. And uh, so I decided what better time to start a company than to do that <laughs> while you're pregnant. And um, so, yeah, so I started Hint with uh, four kids under the age of six and, um, you know, and, and really 
you know, it's the, the story of, of being undaunted. I mean, for years, people have said to me, like, you're so fearless, you're, you're, you know, you've got so much confidence. You, and, you know, the truth is, is that I, I choose to live this way, right? I choose to live, you know, an interesting life where I go try. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't, um, you know, I always talk about the, you know, kind of the fear. So many people have a fear of failure and that's why they don't go out and either, you know, go get a new job or move to a new city or, you know, or any of the millions of things. Right. Um, I mean, one story in here is all about my fear of, uh, of heights and and how I chose to you know hike the Grand Canyon. I'd always wanted to you know do that, and I thought you know no better time than to do it. And how much I learned about myself in the process. And so that's what you know I always encourage people to do. That if you actually do things that scare you the most, you may learn a lot about yourself as long as you pay attention, you know, to that journey, and then you you know, become really proud of your, of yourself along, uh, along the way as well. So, um, so that, you know, that would, was probably the, the kind of the biggest learnings, you know, in, in the beginning. And then, you know, just, just overall, I think it's, it's just a, um, you know, I, I believe everybody can do a lot more than they actually think they can. I think as we, uh, you know, age, grow up, whatever you want to say, I think you start to, in, you know, inflect this idea of, I actually can't do those things. Right. You know, there's a rule system that comes into play that if you actually, you know, maybe recognize the rules for a minute, but, but really start to say, you know, no, I actually can do, I can do that kind of stuff. And, and that is really what this book is all about. There's, I could take this now in one million and two different directions. We could talk about the Grand Canyon, yeah. we could talk about overcoming that fear. We could talk about what you saw and what you learned about yourself, launching the brand, launching a business, falling on your face, everything else. I think though, what I'd like to ask is a question I've heard you uh, answer before. And many entrepreneurs, many people, when they do something, they do it kind of for themselves. How can I make a little bit of money? How do I grow top line revenue or bottom line profitability? How do, how do I retire early? How do I lose weight? Me, me, me. The way you were growing this in the early days was how can I impact my consumers? How can I really listen to their needs? How can I give them exactly what no one else is currently providing them in a way that serves their best interests? And I believe not only is it why you were successful in the early days, it's why you remain successful even today. So we just talk about that a little bit coming into the marketing leadership lens, not from what you get out of something, but what you can invest into something for someone else. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, I started this brand because I really saw that actually drinking water and enjoying water could help me get healthy and, and change my life. And, you know, I also just, I didn't mention this before, but I now talk a lot about how I think I was probably something that is now termed as pre-type 2 diabetes. And I run into people all the time who say, you know, I was just like you. I was really healthy. I was right. drinking a lot of these diet sweeteners. And, and then I, you know, recognize that, like, by drinking Hint, that I could actually solve a lot of these, these issues. And so I think that, that 
along the way, um, by launching a product and launching a company that I thought could not only help, that, that I had seen it had helped me, but I felt like it could also help, you know, so many other people who were having this challenge with, you know, diet drinks, diet sweeteners overall, I thought I could actually have huge impact, right? And so, you know, fast forward 15 years, we've thought about it as, you know, in a very different way. And right. particularly during COVID where, you know, most beverage companies today and many food companies think about life or especially before COVID thought about, you know, you need to come to a store to buy our product. We've always felt like this is a consumer, let's solve problems for consumers and let's ultimately, you know, get them to, uh, to know that they could buy whatever we have online and give them lots of choices. So I think, you know, we're not just solving problems for consumers around what we're ultimately offering them and oftentimes telling them my story and sort of how, you know, that may not be exactly their story, but I think that that's such a, a critical, you know, piece of this, but also really solving the problem around, you know, distribution and, and sort of how do people ultimately, you know, get products today too. And, and I think that that is, you know, really just leading the consumer in that way. So Amazon has been doing this for a little while, but but you were in step with them. This company began in 05. We'll talk about distribution in that moment, but what are the ingredients? When I'm drinking a black cherry pet, or you said blueberry, I think, or blackberry maybe earlier. Blackberry, yeah. What, what is, what's in this drink that I'm now digesting? Yeah, so I mean, right now I'm drinking a clementine, which is so yummy. And it's just, it's the essence of the, of the fruit. So it's the... Um, you know, skins, depending on what the fruit is, but it, in the case of the clementine, it's the fruit, it's the skins and oils of the fruit. And so what's interesting, it's just two to three drops that go into every 16 ounce um, bottle of water and there's no sweeteners. And um, so, you know, when I say no sweeteners, I mean, I think more and more people are educated about that now, but it's, uh, you know, there's no stevia. So there's no there's no calories, but we don't actually try and sweeten the drink. So our focus has really been to get people to really focus on, you know, health and drinking water. And again, you know, getting back to something that you and I were talking about earlier, I think, you know, the consumer is, um, is like, I think for years they've been trying to get healthy, right? And, you know, they've been buying into this low fat and diet, but you know, it's not working for everybody. It's not working for many people. I mean, today, you know, type two diabetes is, is, you know, the number one disease that ultimately leads to heart disease and lots of other things out there. And I think that that's something that is just such a focus for consumers today that, and what they're paying attention to. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, you know, that's really the key thing, but I felt like, you know, in this, in the book Undaunted that, you know, this is not just a book to sort of talk about the building of Hint, but it's also a book about, you know, I didn't have any beverage experience. I never worked at, you know, any of the big soda companies. I didn't even work at a food company. I did watch my, you know, father develop a brand inside of a large company, which is also significantly different than actually growing a brand 
um, from scratch, everything from distribution to actually getting um, space in there. And, you know, I think more than anything, I'm, you know, I also went from media to tech to um, food products. And, you know, and so I'm a huge believer that you've just got to go try. Yeah, yeah. And like, and, you know, something else that I always tell, you know, friends is that, especially if you're thinking about going to a new job or, um, or whatever, launching a book or, or any of these things, if you're going to a new phase that is kind of unchartered territory and maybe a little bit scary, what you've done in the past will never be undone, <laughs> right? It's like, you've always got that. Right. And so if you take a detour along the way to go and do something else and focus your time on something that, you know, so many people are afraid to do that, but why? Like, I, I'm always like, you know, if you keep thinking about it and, you know, and maybe that's not a new job, maybe that's go try a new sport or, you know, anything. or anything, right. It applies to anything, but or I think not that far, you know, huh? babies know that they hit the ground they bounce off their little pampers and they get right back up and we somehow forget a lesson we knew as infants no we think we think so hard about it and i think oftentimes you know the other advice i always give to people is that along the way you know while you're trying to get to that end goal you may actually find things that really interest you right. about something and and so why not and that makes you ultimately a better person and maybe new skills and all of these, you know, things along the way. So, so that's really the, the story of Undaunted too. It's, you know, definitely for entrepreneurs or, or want to be entrepreneurs or, you know, maybe leaders that are trying to figure out like, how do I actually, you know, act more nimble, you know, in, in my organization or, or whatever it is, but it's also about, you know, sort of, a little bit autobiography in, in terms of, you know, me just saying, just go for it. Like stop worrying about what could happen and instead enjoy the journey and all of the things that, that you might do. And, and that's really, you know, the story. And I thought, you know, if I could write this, if I could write this book and I'm excited to hear that, you know, so many people are, are getting this reaction out of it, that it's, if I could write this book and really have people say, you know, thank you so much. I know now I have the confidence to go and ultimately do it, do whatever they wanted to do. Like that to me is just, that's, that's incredibly powerful and meaningful to me. Kara, talk about balancing running a hundred million dollar business, having a podcast, being a best-selling author, leading forward innovative solutions around the company, around the country and around the world being active in philanthropies, being a coach to entrepreneurs, all these things. Oh, and by the way, uh, you have kids and you have your own life and you're trying to grow spiritually and you're trying to stay healthy and you're trying not to uh, occasionally get a little bit of sleep, I hope. H how do you juggle the balls that you have in the air? Because I think your answer to that might help a whole lot of people, including the guy asking you the question, more effectively juggle what's in the air and maybe occasionally set up all aside so you can be more focused on the things that matter. Yeah, I, and I think you nailed it, I, figuring out what matters. And sometimes what matters, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, different times, right? So, you know, in the case of 
getting the getting the book out the door and you know that that was a huge priority to me and having sort of a support system in place um you know i'm still the ceo will always be the founder but i'm still the ceo of my company and having a team of people that can actually you know work deliver right which is which is absolutely critical um so i think that you know but i i also feel like there's a lot of pressure on people, especially parents to say, you know, gosh, am I doing the right thing? You know, should I be going outside of the house? I'm, you know, I'm here to say years later and, you know, I, I can't say that I'm, I'm perfect, but I have, uh, I have four kids, 15, uh, 15, 18, 19, and 21. I have to remember their ages here. And, um, you know, I think, there are so many lessons over the years that, again, them just being around the house and and, and listening and and uh, you know I think my kids have learned more about you know sustainability and and bottling and and uh, investments and podcast production and book writing now where it's like you're actually you're their teacher right, right? and and you're showing them that things can be done if you really care and what you're passionate about. And if you set goals and you go and get things done, am I busy? 110% I'm busy. But I would say that, you know, as my friends say, they don't get to see me as much, but you know, when I do get to see them, it's meaningful. Right. And, and I think that that is where the priorities really, you know, you've got to sort of figure, figure out what is important and articulate those things to people saying, I, I totally want to do this. I need to do this, you know, in a month or, yeah, yeah. you know, when you really have time to stay, to stay focused. You write about not only the things that keep you focused on the things that matter, but also making sure you celebrate the wins along the way as a family, for sure, but also as an organization. What, why is celebrating in particular during these recessionary difficult times that we currently live in? Why is celebrating the wins so important? Yeah, I mean, I think it's so easy to forget, right? You know, like, especially when times are really challenging and, you know, and especially when people I think when people are working virtually, they sometimes forget all that they've accomplished. So I think it's always like a great idea to kind of go back and, and, you know, remind yourself sort of what you have accomplished. And, and, you know, so often I'll go back and look at things and I'll th think, oh, wow, I did that. Yeah. You know, I like that, that is a, you know, that seemed really hard. And I do that frequently. And I think, you know, if you, um, I mean, people talk about journaling and, you know, sort of the, the five minute journal and some of those different concepts. I think those are definitely um, things that you can do and different things work for different people. But I, I think that just the whole concept of just being, getting into a pattern of, you know, really going back and saying things that you have done that maybe you thought were really hard. And, you know, we briefly talked about the Grand Canyon. I, I, I'm a huge believer to figure out every, it, it, you know, things that scare you, yeah. right? That, that you, you know, that doesn't mean jumping out of a plane, you know, necessarily, maybe it does. But I think for, you know, some people, I mean, I was terrified years ago of public speaking, even though I was a very social person, I was terrified. I thought, oh my God, I, all these people are going to stare at me, you know, <laughs> while I'm talking on the stage. And that's all, that was my visual. And then finally I said, no, I, this is it. 
I'm going to focus on it and I'm going to, you know, really understand and, and try and, you know, dig into what really, you know, scares me. And now I'll, I'll look back on that and, you know, I've spoken to thousands of audiences and, and, you know, and I think, wow, that was kind of silly, but I can actually specifically tell you what scared me, you know, and, and again, going back and really knowing who you were and, you know, maybe even why, right? And, and I don't know why, like maybe I was ridiculed as, as, you know, when I gave a speech in school or, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you know, sometimes you don't know, but I, I'm a, a huge proponent to break those things that scare you because you just become better well, and undaunted. You have broken them. You have become undaunted. You become wildly successful and influential. I want to share a few of the awards and then ends with one of my favorites. I would imagine it's one of your favorites as well. So in style, badass, 50, fast companies, most creative people in business, fortune's most powerful women entrepreneurs, fortune's most innovative women in food and drink, EY, entrepreneur of the year, Northern California. And then my favorite, maybe yours, the Huffington Post listed you as one of the six great disruptors. The other, uh, I won't name all six, but you were sandwiched between two names many of our listeners may have heard of. One was Steve Jobs, yeah. yawn, and the other one was Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. When you hear that list of awards and you hear those two other names and you're sandwiched right between them, like, what do you think? Because, and you and I talking before we hit record, you're kind of an ordinary lady. I'm a kind of an ordinary guy. And yet somehow you're sandwiched between these two extraordinary leaders which means somehow you're one of them. So when you, when you find yourself among that company, how do you feel? Yeah, you know, I think again, stopping and thinking about those things, like I don't think about them every day, but it, you know, look, I, I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty great. I, I think it, with all of those awards, I, I, didn't, I didn't come at them thinking I deserve these things. Like I was, I was somewhat surprised. I mean, I remember even, you know, when I got the EY Entrepreneur of the Year in, in, you know, the Bay Area, I thought, there's all these tech companies here. I'm not going to get it. Like, I mean, I'm honored that I'm even this far. And I really for, um, did not even think that that would happen. And when I went on stage, I didn't even have a speech or anything. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, it was, <laughs> that to me was like, you know, and I, uh, and I stood up there and I, and really spoke from the heart saying, you know, thank you, like for the recognizing, because I think so often, you know, we all work hard, right? And, and for people to stop and actually take a breather and have a conversation about what you've accomplished, I, I think is, is super powerful. So it's, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it they're 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 super great and you know and 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 another thing, they'll never go away. Right? That's what I always say to people. Like those those things will always stay with you too. So it's a it's a great honor um, you know, to be recognized by, you know, others. Kara, what would you say? This is the final question before we shift into the Live Inspired 7, but what would you say to those right now listening to your voice and your story and your undaunted message? who have worked hard, who have done the right things, who have taken the risk and faced their fears and still feel, or maybe don't feel, they just are beat down by the world. They, uh, they're struggling financially, relationally, spiritually, physically, in any area of life. And, and although you've achieved profound success, they have not. And um, 
they're beat down by it right now. What, what advice or encouragement might you give them? You know, I think, I find it hard to believe that if you really do take a minute to sort of look at all of the things that you've done that you're proud of, that you haven't achieved success. I think that, you know, we often live in this world of saying success is, you know, those awards or starting a company or, or whatever. Um, but, you know, what about being a great friend or a great parent or, and what about if every single day, um, you know, you could actually really do something that is tied around those kinds of, uh, those kinds of things that you're really passionate about and obviously really good at. So I think that, um, you know, that's, I think it's really inflecting on sort of what do people come to you and say about you and, and, um, and stop being so down on yourself though, too. I think oftentimes, you know, I, when I've talked to people who are, you know, not feeling like, you know, maybe they're, they're as satisfied with their life too, that oftentimes it is a change of scenery that that's needed. It might be a change of, you know, work or uh, you know where you live or or maybe you know maybe you're living in a city and you need to be living out and you know like a with a yard or i don't know what what it is but i think it's really rethinking things if if it's really you know disruptive to you too that i think it's it's reinventing yourself in in some way well, I lied. I said that was the last question before the Live Inspired 7, but I should ask one more since the book came out on Tuesday and here we now are on Thursday. When individuals read the book Undaunted, what, what, if you could provide any gift to them in reading that book, what might you hope they walk away with? What's the one thing that, gosh, I wish they would hear this about their lives? If you're like me, uh, you know, at times when I feel stuck, it's that you've gotten in your own way and get out of your own way right? Like live undaunted and just go out and try. And if nothing else, you know, it might be a great story, right? Like you've got to, I mean, I'll tell you one super fast story if you have time for this. You know, my daughter is in college and she really wasn't happy with where she was at. I'll leave the, the name of the schools out, but she wasn't very excited about it. So last Christmas, we were like sitting around and she was saying, yeah, I don't know, maybe I should give it some more time. Maybe I should, you know, and I said, why? Like, you know, and, and she really wanted to go somewhere else. And she said, dad, they already rejected me, you know, the first go around. So they're not going to do this this time. And I said, but why? Like, why? Like, if nothing else, it'll be a great story because you're awesome. And like, imagine if a university, like, actually said twice like we don't want you like that's a great story and she wants to be a playwright and i'm like you're going to be this amazing playwright and you're going to be on stage one day and you're going to tell or you're going to be interviewed by john and uh you're going to tell you're going to tell the world like oh yeah this school you know basically said no to me twice and she's like okay it's really not funny so i hope that doesn't happen and then she got in she got in and I said, you know, if you don't sort of do what scares you and don't do what, you know, ultimately is, you know, this thing that you think isn't going to happen, but you'd really like it to happen, then like, you'll never really know. Yeah. Right. 
And I think there's today is there's no better time than to go out and do that as we're, you know, coming out of a, you know, crazy time inside of a, you know, living in our homes and, you know, masks and everything else in the world. I think it's like, go out and figure out what do you really want to, you know, be when you grow up, no matter how old you are and what do you ultimately want to do and what do you have to do in order to get there? Well, the book is called Undaunted. The author is Kara Golden. And Kara, we have seven questions for you as we begin moving toward the launch point. It's not a finish line. It's the starting line with our audience. The first one is, what is the best book? This is a hard one, but what is the best book you've ever read? So I'd say the originals. Are you familiar with Adam Grant? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I would say, uh, you know, just because just like me, there's a lot of unsuspecting you know, misfits out there that may not, I'm, I wasn't supposed to start a beverage company. I wasn't supposed to be able to do this because I didn't have any experience, but I think passion trumps experience. What is one positive characteristic, one trait that you possessed as a little one growing up in Arizona that you wish you exhibited as brilliantly today? Well, I think I do exhibit it today, but I, I think I was... I was always curious. Hmm. I, I was constantly, you know, driving my parents crazy, like asking them why, you know, worked, worked actually for in Arizona for Senator McCain as an intern when I was uh, growing up. And I remember asking him many, many questions. And I was the why intern. I was always like, Senator McCain, why, why, you know, why aren't you doing this? And, and so again, I feel like, if it's okay to ask why, right? It's okay to be curious. And ultimately, you know, that helps you to figure out who you are. Thank you. And thank you for serving John McCain. If, if your home caught fire and all of your children and animals and spouses and all the people you love are out safely and you have an opportunity to run in and grab one item, anything, what's the one thing you come racing back outside with? Okay, besides my ID or anything like that. Burn, baby. Yeah, grab something else. Yeah, so, uh, so my, mom's, uh, my mom passed away 11 years ago, and it's one of my favorite things. She, uh, she had a journal hmm. that I didn't know about until, uh, until we were cleaning out her house, and it was when she was 13 years old, and she was writing this journal, and how she, and it was during the Depression, and the things that she thought about and, uh, you know, in grew up in Edina, Minnesota and, um, and how she wanted to go to college. She wanted to, you know, do, she had dreams and she had wishes, but, um, a lot of those things were really kind of, kind of out of sort of what she ultimately thought she was going to do and knowing what she did accomplish. And she did go to University of Minnesota and, and all of, you know, it, like, I look back on that as, you know, there's incredible stories. And ironically, my, you know, my 19 year old daughter, whenever she needs inspiration, um, she goes into my drawer that where that journal is, and I found her reading it. Mm -hmm. And she just kind of laughs about, you know, like that, you know, just sometimes reading history, but also reading when somebody was going through you know, a time period that you've been through that maybe is hard is just really powerful. 
That's so good. I'm so glad you did not say I'm coming back outside with my purse or my <laughs> laptop. Like that, that's <laughs> that your mother's journal that she kept as a little puppy, 13 years old, growing up in Idina, in the midst of the Great Depression. And this woman that she became and this daughter that she raised, and the impact that you're having, it's just a cool continuum. So next question. If you could sit on a bench on a gorgeous day and have a long conversation with anybody, living or dead, who would you love to be seated right next to? So I had an opportunity uh, a few years ago um, to meet Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And um, she was, we didn't have a long enough conversation. And I was so beyond, I've met a lot of really amazing people, um, you know, throughout the last, you know, what, 20, 25 years. And, and uh, I would say she, she was probably the one that really kind of had me, God, if I could just sit here for hours and talk to her about, you know, uh, she's just such a huge believer in, you know, so many people have, uh, have really carried the weight and, you know, for her and how it's her responsibility to carry the weight going forward. And I'll, you know, I'll leave it at that, but it was just, it was so powerful. And, you know, she didn't even know what she was saying. Like the, the words that came out of her mouth were just like, wow. You know, I just, I like walked away from there just going, you know, oh my God, this is, this is crazy. Um, you know, he'd, he'd, that would probably be the one that, that, yeah, me on the bench with Ruth. So you've been hanging out with presidential nominees, POWs, and Supreme Court justices. Congratulations on hanging out with some really influential. I wouldn't say I was hanging with her at that time. You're I mean, hanging, it was like, and you're going to hang with her on a bench pretty soon. So you, even even better news. So what, what's the best advice? Only three questions left. What's the best advice that you've ever received? I, you know, and and again, sort of what I try to. Um, Actually, I'll go, I'll go back to, to something that my dad said uh, when I was moving to New York back in that story before time. Um, I, I got cold feet and I thought, I don't know if I can actually do this. Like it, it's kind of getting really big for me and, and I'm not sure I can actually get on a plane. I've been on a plane before, but I thought, gosh, I'm moving to New York. I don't know anybody. Like it's kind of a big step. And he looked at me and he said, what's the worst that can happen? And I said, well, a lot of things. I mean, I'm going to New York and, you know, whatever, and lots of bad things can happen. And he said, but realistically, like, what's the worst that can happen? And so he always taught me that if you can actually really lay out worst case scenario, it's, it, it probably will never not. And, and even, you know, during times of COVID and, you know, again, I'm still running a company during this time and it, you know, it, I, I still say to the team, you know, what is the worst that can happen? Because I think that as we, you know, as we start to think about supply chain and all of the different aspects of, of our company, you know, we've done pretty well through this time being an essential product and all, you know, growing, you know, almost triple digit numbers, you know, over the course of the last few months. But, you know, I think being a little bit paranoid and what is the worst that can happen is always, you know, something that is, you know, great advice, whether it's, 
you know, somebody who's trying to figure out should they move somewhere or do something or, or, uh, or anything. There was a book written years ago called Take the Risk, and it's simply about asking four questions. What's the worst thing that can happen if you do it? What's the best thing that can happen if you do it? And then what's the worst thing that can happen if you don't do it? What's the best thing that can happen if you don't do it? And generally speaking, you find out that it's not that bad no matter what you do, but there's one clear answer that you ought to be doing. And so I, I think what your dad's advice was, lay the, the cornerstones, the foundation for you, not only to go on into New York, but to continue growing going forward. So my, my next and second to final question is, what advice would you now offer to your 20-year-old self? If you could whisper a little something back into your ear a few years ago, what would you say to your 20-year-old self? It's okay to not know what you ultimately want to do. Right. So I, I, I think there's, there's this pressure cooker that goes on, you know, when you, you know, especially when, when you're in a, you know, whether it's in high school or college or graduate school, it's like, you know, you've got to come up with that answer. Like, well, what do you want to do? Right. Like even in a company, you know, people say, what do you want to do? Well, I want to be the CFO. Like, you know, it's just, just stop. Like, yeah. don't put so much pressure on figuring out, like, what you ultimately, you know, want to do. You can have a goal, but what I always tell people is, like, you know, don't be so hard on yourself if you don't ultimately get to that goal. Because that's, that's a whole piece of, you know, kind of what you talked about as well, that it's, that it's a, you know, that, then you start to view yourself as failing or not really achieving and things like that. Instead... Just say, well, right now, you know, maybe I want to go and I think that would be really interesting to explore. But actually sitting there thinking, you know, that if I don't become the CFO of, you know, Fortune, you know, 100 company, maybe I'm going to, you know, then I fail. Right. Like, no, you didn't. Right. And I think that that's super important, important along the way. Kara Golden, final question, my friend. It has been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like your one sentence to read? She pursued a life of purpose and, and passion, and she was a great parent, <laughs> and she and a great friend, and she enjoyed life. Kara Golton pursued indeed a life of purpose and passion, was a great friend, great executive, great author, lived a great life and wrote a great book called Undaunted. I wanna thank you, Kara, for spending a little bit of your busy launch week with us and for running a business, running a family, running a life that is making not only profit, but a difference. Thank you so much. And it's been an honor to be on here with you and very, very excited. Hope uh, you all get a chance to, to read this and, and go out and really make a difference yourself. My friends, that is Kara Golden. My name is John O'Leary and today is your day. Live inspired. And now a word from our friends at Keeley Companies. What started in 1976 as a local paving company has grown into a national provider of construction, infrastructure, wireless, technology, development, and logistic solutions. 
Over four decades and 1,800 Keelians later, Keely Company's roots still guide them. In the words of their founder, Larry Keely, quality and service never go out of style. 